Blog Talk Radio. Okay. I got it. Uh, all right, I'm going to call her. Uh, live, though. Wow. Yeah. Because we've got live people, too, I'm sure. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Hi, Sue Ann. Yeah, this is Cliff Dunny with the Dr. Brenda Wade Show. Hi, we were uh, waiting for you to call in. We're on the radio. Can you call in? Can Can you call in at this at this number? We can still do it. It's uh. The phone number is area code 347. Okay, you go ahead. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. Hello? Hello? I'm here, Cliff. Can you hear me? Yeah, she's calling in right away. She misunderstood the time. Oh, boy. So she's calling in, and we'll just we'll start up, and then I'll just edit this first part. Okay, and for those great. of the... the yeah, okay. you have two lines. You're on two phones, I guess, huh? No. Okay, I hold on. See if I can get rid of you. Okay. Don't hang up. Are you there? This, yes. Yeah, there she is. Hi, Sue Ann. Yes, hi. Hi, welcome. We have uh, Dr. Brenda on the phone. We're going to go ahead and uh, start up in a second. And Okay, uh, yeah, we'll let's get you... going, Cliff, because yeah. we've got people waiting. Hi, Sue Ann. We'll okay. just roll with it, okay? Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. 
A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Modern Love Radio and Podcast. We have a very interesting show tonight. This is the story of a woman secret service agent, and our guest tonight, Sue Ann, you're going to meet her in just a moment, wrote a book called Behind the Shades, and she's going to share some of her adventures, a bit of her story, and maybe have some advice for you from a Secret Service agent. Welcome to the show, Sue Ann. How are you? Well, I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, you know everyone wants to know how you became a Secret Service agent. Oh, you want the short version or the long version? <laughs> <laughs> I think it started um, originally with me being a young girl. Um, I was reciting poetry to my dad. He was telling me I could be anything I wanted to be when I grew up. And finally I announced at about age 10 that I wanted to be a boxer. Uh-huh. And he explained how in those days in the 50s and 60s, that women didn't grow up to be boxers. They would get hurt. And I thought, okay, fine. Then I will be a fireman or a policeman or a minister. I had all of these ideas, none of which were anything that was a traditional woman's job. So he sat me down a lot back in those days explaining why I shouldn't or couldn't be able to do that. But I did grow up to... uh, graduate from Ohio University. I moved to Washington, D.C., and um, subsequently became a police officer in the District of Columbia. So that was my introduction to police work, and um, I worked in the youth division for about almost two years. And um, I didn't want to be there. I wanted something juicy like homicide or sex squad. Oh, my God. uh, (laughs) But the... (laughs) Back in those days, women had to have college degrees, and the men didn't. And they always seemed to put the women in the youth division because women and kids go together, right? Of course. So, yeah. And I didn't see a clear path out of that. They didn't now, have Sue women Ann, on the back up for a What is it that really fired you up to do something that was considered not only non-traditional back in the day, but absolutely had nothing to do with the the definition of what it meant to be a woman. What led you, know, you down that path? I have been trying to explore that for a year and a half now as I as I wrote my book because I know that I'm not the norm. I went back to Washington D.C. to um in, to go to a convention of women in federal law enforcement. And I was having lunch with a bunch of women high up in, in a number of federal agencies. And I said, I threw the question out, what is it about us as women that drew us to law enforcement? And one woman spoke up and said, well, that's easy. We're all alpha females. And everybody at the table agreed with that. And okay. I really didn't, didn't understand what that was. So I went back and Googled it and learn more about it, and it was like, yeah, that's me. Wow. Well, our guest tonight is Sue Ann Baker, who not only started out in the youth division of the police 
force in Washington, D.C., but went on to become a woman Secret Service agent. So, Sue Ann, how did you go from the youth division and where you were longing for something juicier and sexier? <laughs> well, I was longing to get off the streets of Washington, D.C. and out of the youth division for sure. And I ran into a fellow that I had gone to Bricky School with. He was working for the White House police at the time. And he said, well, come on over and be a White House police officer. And I said, well, you know they don't have women. And he said, no, no, I think they're trying to get some positions approved. So here's the captain's name and number, call him. And so I did. And they called me in for an interview. I walked into a room with like six suits sitting at a table. And I don't remember a lot about the interview other than they said that it was being tape recorded, and I didn't see a tape recorder, so I figured, okay, it must be in the walls or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they asked me, I'm sure, questions like, how did I become a police officer? Why? Why would I want the position? And so forth. And they said, we'll call you back. And I filled out a lot of paperwork, and six months later I had my top-secret clearance. Wow. All right, everyone. You may want to join the conversation with Sue Ann (laughs) Baker, author of Behind the Shades, True Stories from a Woman Secret Service Agent. You can call us, 347-989-0776, or hit us back on Facebook, Twitter, Dr. Brenda Wade. We'll be waiting to hear your comments, your questions, or what do you think? Are you an alpha female, or do you know some? All right, Sue Ann, you got your top secret clearance. Now, what did your dad think about you becoming a police officer? What what was your dad's comment about this after coaching you that you couldn't do (laughs) non-traditional? Well, I don't remember it specifically. I know my parents were both really proud of me, and I think that they probably were – very much uh, comforted with the fact that I'm getting off the streets of Washington as a cop and going to the White House. I mean, that's glamorous. And um, I'm sure they were they were pleased with that. I mean, at the time I joined the police department, it had Washington had the highest crime rate per capita of any city in the nation. So I just yeah. figured, well, if I was going to learn a job, I might as well learn it in a city like that. So I'm sure I gave my mother gray hair at the time and my dad, too because he went bald. Uh, <laughs> had he had uh, any hair, it would have been Snow White. Yes, right. Because <laughs> but it, it sounds as like if he was very much committed, you know, like a traditional dad to keeping his daughter mm-hmm. safe. Sure. And um, I don't blame him for that. It's just that I had a different calling and danced to a different drummer. Yeah, and I hear you. He didn't know he had an know. alpha daughter. So what was it like going to work in the White House? What were your duties? And do you mind telling us who was in the White House at the time? Oh, of course not. It was Richard Nixon. It was mm-hmm. 1970. Oh, my God. And oh. Um, the turbulent 70s. Oh, I yeah. mean, Washington had a lot going on there with demonstrations in the Vietnam War. Um, and being in the White House, we had another problem. They never ordered us uniforms. So we couldn't do the same job as the men. And, you know, the White House police officers stand in the little guard shacks around the White House, but nobody would have recognized us standing there in skirts or recognized our authority. So we were kind of relegated to what women normally do, like bookkeeping and payroll. And I 
was in the bottom of the the executive office building watching, you know, security screens, TV screens, waiting for an alarm to go off. But the exciting part was that every once in a while, <clears throat> excuse me, the Secret Service would pull us out to do protection work when a foreign dignitary came into the country. So, for instance, my first assignment was in Hawaii protecting the wife of Lon Knoll, who is the president of Cambodia. And um, I had never been west of the Mississippi, so I was excited. I'll bet. Of course, I didn't now, speak Cambodian. <laughs> oh, small problem to protect Mrs. Knoll. Nobody thought about that, right? So what well, did you have no. to do to protect her? I mean, how does this work? How do you protect someone? I want to know. Well, at that time, I had my 357 Magnum in the bottom of my purse, and I was ready to use it, and I was ready to take a bullet for her. And so they were on Hickam Air Force Base because he had had a stroke, and the United States uh, had flown him to Hawaii to see our doctors. And so it was a pretty secure surrounding at that time. Anyway, they had a cottage. We would sit um, sometimes in a car in front of the cottage um, on our shift just to make sure that nothing happened. If they went out of the base, then we had a follow-up car and a lead car and took him maybe around the island. But he was, you know, had suffered a stroke, so he didn't have a lot of energy, and they were short trips. So did she go out on her own? No, never. Mm-mm. Oh. And I and I think it was a good trial run for me as a female agent because I didn't know what I was doing. We had had no training. It was all on the job training. You're kidding and, me. I mean, so you no, were to protect a foreign dignitary, but you hadn't gotten training. You hadn't gotten a uniform. You've been sitting in no. the basement watching security screens. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, I forgot to say that part. (laughs) Amazing. So what did you do? You just, like, watched TV shows or movies or read books? Are there books on how to be a secret service? (laughs) Other than yours, of course. No. I mean, the the other men on the detail would tell us what to do. And and if you're told to stand at a doorpost and don't let anybody go through it, you stand there and you don't let anybody go through it. Um, I had occasion once in... A formal dinner in Washington, D.C., I was standing on a post like that, and I had been told for this big fancy dinner party, nobody, nobody gets in without an invitation. And I said, yes, sir. And I stood there, until, and everybody was coming by and showing me their invitations until Ted Kennedy walked up. And he didn't have his invitation. He had forgotten it. Oh, my and God. I, so, I mean, you have to think about, and I hope your listeners can imagine a 25-year-old girl, young woman, telling somebody like Ted Kennedy, I'm sorry, sir, but you're not allowed in. Oh, my God, you did not. Oh, I had to. Yes. Yep, sure. So and that's how, how you build Senator power. ultimately get into the dinner party? I don't know. I don't care. I did my job. Oh. I mean, I sent him. <laughs> I'm sure I sent him off to see somebody who would figure it out, but that was not my call to make. Oh, and wow. But but that's I I say that story to illustrate that as a young woman, you know, I didn't have the m- most confidence in the world, but when you're put in positions like that and then you come through it, it builds another layer of confidence and that's, you know, that's how you get through life. So Okay, hold on because we have a question. 
Sure. That this person wants to know how many women are now in the Secret Service. There are about 300. Hmm. And there's about 3,200 agents. So they still make up only about 10% of the agents. And they are they aggressively recruit for women, but it's a tough job. And, um, you know, there's always the the work balance issues in life, and it takes a particular kind of woman to even want to do that because it's not a job and it's not a career. I mean, it's actually a lifestyle. But if you love adventure, talking about love, <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and love being able to be flexible, to see history being made, um, it's a great job if you're willing to work long hours and be away from home and carry a gun. Okay. So tell us, like, your craziest story of being a woman Secret Service agent. You're off to a good start with no training <laughs> with foreign dignitaries <laughs> and turning Ted Kennedy away from a dinner. Okay. I guess I would have to say it would be my second assignment. Um that was pretty crazy because I was an undercover camp counselor for Princess Caroline Grimwaldi of Monaco. Oh, my God. So she was 14 years old, and her mother wanted her to go to Camp Oneka, which is in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. So Princess and Grace wanted her daughter to come back to America and go to the camp. Yes, oh because God. she had gone to that camp, and her probably her sister had gone to the camp, and that camp's been around like 100 years, so generations keep going back to that camp. But she wanted her daughter to have a normal camping experience without having security hovering around her, so they requested no security. Someone, and I'll never know who, decided that she should have some modern modicum of security, so they put me in as a camp counselor undercover, unbeknownst to her or any of the women or uh, campers in the camp. Did the other Only counselors the know? One did. Oh, my goodness. And the two women who owned the camp and the camp nurse. And then they took my gun away from me because they didn't want the campers to find it, like, in my bed. You know, if they're going to short-sheet my bed, they <laughs> would have found it. So my gun was in the nurse's office, like, 75 yards away. Oh, wow. And Carolyn was not in my tent. She was in the tent next door. So I'm next to me. So I guess I could have heard her scream if somebody was trying to kidnap her. And I could have run out of my tent, gunless. Oh, my God. Oh, so here Is that you extraordinary are. Enough? Completely <laughs> unarmed. And yeah. you're supposed to protect her. Now, what would you have done if anything had happened? Well, there was another Secret Service agent. He was my backup. He was about 10 miles away sitting in a motel room for three weeks. And there were no cell phones then. <laughs> so I guess I would have gone to the nurse's office and called him on the regular landline. And picked up your gun. <laughs> yeah, and picked up my gun and run back to the to the shores of the lake while they were motoring off with Caroline. I don't oh, know. Oh, MG. Well, yeah, so, I guess uh, yeah. something was better than nothing in terms of protection for the princess. <laughs> but wow, talk about hamstringing you. Yeah. So I just figured sometimes you got to play it by yeah. ear, even so if you don't the know the So what's the assignment you've had that you hated the most? 
that I hate. I didn't hate any of them. I just, it was just long hours. I worked the national campaign trail first with Shirley Chisholm, who was running for president. Oh, my the God. Democratic what ticket. was it like working with her? She's oh. one of my heroes. Oh, she's fantastic. What an incredible speaker. And um, I, I spent the summer going back and forth, or part of the summer going back and forth between Washington, D.C. and Brooklyn Heights. And, and for those um, who don't know, some of our listeners might not know this piece of history. Yes. Clue the men, the first African-American woman to run for president. And I believe she was the first woman, wasn't she? Uh, that's correct. As far as yes. I know, first there was an woman Asian the- woman who was, was running during that year, but she didn't get very far. And, right. And actually, Shirley went off and mentioned that year and had picked up quite a few delegates. So once I went to the Democratic Convention, and she was not nominated, George McGovern was nominated to run against Nixon, then they switched me to protecting Eleanor McGovern. And now we're getting hot and heavy because this is a national campaign. Right. And it was exhilarating and exhausting all at the same time because we all worked like 12 and 16 hours a day. I had no days off for weeks and weeks and weeks. Until the until the election day, when he lost by a landslide, <laughs> and then we flew back to Washington D.C. My God! So, what do you do on your days off? <laughs> what days What's off? What day off for a Secret <laughs> Service agent? I don't know. I was single. I rarely dated. Um, talk about modern love. I there wasn't any. I was going to ask you that, so I'm glad you went there first. <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> no, I um, I remember going to Georgetown back in Washington, D.C., bar hopping, you know, because that's what you did back then to pick up guys, and maybe they still do. And I remember specifically, you know, it's like a guy comes up and says, well, what's your name? What do you do? And once I said I was a cop or I was a Secret Service agent, I've had guys I had guys literally turn around and walk away from me. Oh yeah. Didn't say a word. Of course. Of course. Of I course. Mean, it was like, come on, give me a break. Oh, but so did you find love ultimately, Sue Ann? When I was thirty. Oh yes. well that's not so late. So we have a question here from Tom in New Mexico. This will be our last question. Tom okay. wants to know, have you ever discharged your weapon? Only on the firing range. Firing And I get that a lot. I've given a lot of speeches over the years, and somebody always asks me, did you ever shoot anybody, or did you ever get shot? And the answer is no. I I drew my weapon in um, taking down counterfeiters. I got transferred to Los Angeles um, from Washington, D.C., because I wanted to work counterfeit and check forgery investigations because – I liked investigations, and I was sick of protection. And so mm-hmm. there was occasions in trying to arrest people that my weapon was drawn, but I never, thank God, I never had to shoot anybody. Good. Now, last question. You found love, and how does your relationship work given your job? Well, I wasn't working at that time as a Secret Service agent. I had only done that for four years, and then I'm really entrepreneurial so I got tired of the militaristic structure 
that you have to have in a police department, and I resigned to become a private investigator in L.A. That's a whole other story. And then when I met my husband um, at 30, he was getting transferred to the Virgin Islands, and so we went down there and lived on a boat for five years. We were in the islands in St. Thomas for seven. That sounds great. You needed to decompress after all that craziness. Yeah, but we had a private investigative business. (laughs) So it wasn't very much decompressing. So so essentially you went on doing the same thing just privately. Right. (laughs) Uh, So Sue Ann, what advice would you give to anyone based on what you've learned in your years of being a PI being a Secret Service agent, being a police officer, if you gave some love advice, what would it be? Love advice? Because mm-hmm. you love must have advice. seen it all when it comes to love, doing what you do. <laughs> um, I would say that I, I would be very careful of new relationships. Um, just because of domestic violence that I have seen out in the real world, and you don't really know sometimes what you're getting into until you've been with a person for quite a while. And there are certainly a lot of signs, and they're all you can Google them of what an abusive personality might look like. Hmm. And I guess that would be the thing that I would caution, especially women, about. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On a career side of it, I would hope that people could learn from me and be inspired since I was from a small town in Ohio. I had average grades in college. I went to Washington. I didn't have a clue as to what I wanted to do with my life. And yet, I had the courage to grab an unexpected opportunity and run with it, even when I didn't know where it was taking us. All five of us first female agents did that. And your listeners can do it too. Yay! Great advice. Great advice. So be very careful about who you are hooking up with and be very, very clear. And for those who don't know the signs that somebody's potentially abusive, there are lots and lots of articles online. Look those up and be clear because there are signs that you are dealing with an abuser and they show up early. They show up earlier than you might think. And Mm -hmm. If you want to know more about our fascinating guest, Sue Ann Baker, her book is Behind the Shades, Secrets of a Woman, Secret Service Agent. And it sounds like there's some great stories in there. Thank you to those who sent in your questions via Facebook. Thank you so much, Sue Ann Baker. And everybody, when you learn better, you love better. So join me for a free teleseminar once a month and a free one-day live event every single month. This is where we give back to you. For information on that, just shoot us an email or hit us back on Facebook. Email is love at docwade.com, D-O-C-W-A-D-E. And you can also hit us back at Dr. Brenda Wade, Twitter or Facebook. Thank you so much to all of our wonderful listeners, and thank you again, Sue Ann. Thanks to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, and to our associate producer, Cliff Dying. All right, good night, everyone.